1: Good Tuesday afternoon. Welcome into Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you have a question or a comment for the show, you can email us. Um, that email address is packers access at gmail.com. And today, guys, we are going to have kind of a short episode, but I'm really excited about this. We're going to cover... We're going to call this and dub it the gm episode and and what we're going to cover in this episode is for our history segment we're going to do a little a little ditty um outlining one of the greatest general managers in the history of the national football league and that's our very own green bay packers general manager ron wolf okay we're going to kind of talk about his career and give you maybe maybe patch together some historical facts that you might not have uh, otherwise known about Ron Wolf and before he got to Green Bay. You know, as a Packer fan, sometimes, uh, you know, you, you kind of think the story begins and ends with just the Packers. And you'll find out that most of these players, slash, general managers, um, anybody that we're outlining as far as their career, in most cases, um, man, they spent a lot of time to get to the point where they came on board with the Packers. And I think it's it's very important to kind of talk about. The hard work that goes into that. So we're going to talk about Ron Wolfe, and then we're going to talk Brian Gutekunst. We're going to talk about the success that he's had. We're going to kind of compare that to Ron Wolf, obviously a much smaller sample size uh, as far as you know time in the league and, and being in charge as general manager is uh, Brian Gutekunst. And we're also going to kind of outline some of his draft classes so you have an idea of just how much success he's had uh, drafting players since taking over as general manager. We're not going to dive too much into the free agents that Brian Gutekunst signed um which we all know, you know, he was responsible for for signing Adrian Amos, uh Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith that really completely revamped that Packers defense. You know, before Brian Gutekunst took over as general manager, it, it seems like it was forever ago, but guys, it was not too long ago that that this team could not put a defense together. I mean, we had that one solid year. That ended up going on a Super Bowl run with Aaron Rodgers at the helm and a pretty solid defense. But ever since Brian Gutekunst took over, it's become more and more apparent that he is really, really focused on building a strong, stout defense. And I think that uh, it holds true, man. Defense wins championships. It really does. So before we get into the history segment and uh, and outline of Mr. Ron Wolf, I do want to throw out a quick plug for our giveaway. First of all, you guys are awesome, okay? The the donations have been lit up for the GoFummy um you know that that we have attached to this sweepstakes here. Um the, the tweet is getting retweeted out like crazy. It's really cool to see people participating in this giveaway. So let me outline again the details to that giveaway. Okay, so like I said before, we're gonna be attending a Monday night football game, December 19th, against the defending Super Bowl champion LA Rams, Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford. The whole crew coming to town. Cooper Cup, one of the one of the best receivers in the league, is going to lock horns with our Green Bay Packers in this awesome defense. Um, you know, going up against Aaron Rodgers, and I mean, you know the roster. You're you're a huge Packer fans. You don't need me to go through that. But we're giving away one ticket to that game, and it's not just any ticket, guys. This is a ticket that's valued at four hundred and fifty dollars, and it's going to be in the indoor club seats. It'll be a, a seat with us. Um, you know, a couple of the Packernet podcast uh, crew members were going to be there, uh, hanging out, eating good food, watching the ball game. It'll give give you a chance to kind of hang out with us, and uh, it's going to be in the indoor club seats, out of the elements. You know you know hopefully there's gonna be some snow flying right and uh, for the Seattle game that I was at last year that was the case it was so cold outside the snow was flying the crowd was rowdy but we were indoors watching the game with flat-screen TV access you could see the jumbotron perfectly there at Lambeau Field and on top of that you know being in a climate-controlled setting it's just a really really cool crew up there so we're gonna be giving that ticket away and here's what you've got to do to enter that sweepstakes okay first of all if you will go to my Twitter account at Packers underscore access you'll see that the pinned tweet I have is the one that you need to retweet okay and basically just go in make sure you're following our account that's gonna be very important if you're not following the account you don't enter the sweepstakes when we draw on August 5th okay um, and also you've got to retweet that so that's gonna be a great way for us to keep up with who has entered themselves into the contest so go to my Twitter account the pin tweet at the top retweet that make sure you're following the account and also if uh, that'll get you entered one time into the into the sweepstakes now here's what's cool um, if you want to add additional entries, you are allowed to do that, and here's how we're going about doing that. In that same tweet, you'll see a GoFundMe attached to it. Okay, that's for a, a gentleman by the name of Drew. He's uh, got a GoFundMe set up for him to get a seizure service dog. Okay, um, really, really excited for him to hit his goal. Um, we're closing in on that, so I don't know how long <clears throat> that aspect of the sweepstakes will be available. So you don't want to waste time. You want to go donate now. For every five dollars that you donate to that GoFundMe, that'll enter you in an additional time into the drawing okay to win that ticket so if you know for example if you if you donated $50 then that's going to get you 10 additional entries into the sweepstakes okay and, and here's the thing it's not just about winning the ticket although I know everybody wants to win it I completely understand but it's going to a good cause as well right and uh, and that's what we want to do on this show guys we want to while while other podcasts, I don't mean to be negative, but I'm just going to be honest here. While other podcasts are creating political division, and and it just seems like every night you log onto Twitter, and I'm I'm literally like the Simpsons the Simpsons Grandpa GIF, right, where he walks in, sets his hat down, turns a circle, grabs his hat, and walks right back out the door. That's me on Twitter almost every night because it's there's always some kind of argument over politics. Former presidents, current presidents, uh, you know, everybody trying to grandstand and pretend like they're better than other people and they care more about a cause than another. What we're wanting to do on this show is is spread positive change. And I'm sorry, man, being on Twitter and being a loudmouth does no one any good. And the one thing that irks me to death are these people that go on Twitter and pretend like they're saving the world, they're changing the world by simply getting on there and running their mouth. And then what I want to do is just shout to the top of my lungs, what have you done to help somebody? What did you do yesterday that made someone else's life better? Because I'm sorry if you fooled yourself into thinking that grandstanding on Twitter is is out changing the world you're you're sadly mistaken i mean we can agree to disagree and you have the right to be wrong that's totally cool but what we're wanting to do on this show is spread positive change and actually reach out and help people right and this is one of those causes that ryan made me aware of and i just think it's great that that you can, uh, you can enter yourself into that contest and take a chance of, of winning the ticket, yeah, but also helping another human being. I just think it's uh, it's win-win for everybody. So, again, if you just go to Twitter, I don't mean to rant, but, man, that stuff just bothers me. I can't st- Talk is cheap, and I really, really can't stand it when people just talk about uh, how the world should be and and how other people need to, to fix their mistakes and change who they are, and they need to... Uh, it just... It's... It's... I want to use bad language. It's chicken, you know what? Get up, you know, I'm a Christian, right? And that doesn't make me better than anybody who isn't a Christian. As a matter of fact, in my opinion, it makes me worse. It just it just means that I need a little more grace from everybody else cuz I make mistakes on a daily basis. But when people get out there and pretend like they're all high and mighty and they actually care about people, and and they never really roll up their sleeves and do anything, you know. I've got a quote. I I, I say it all the time. I I hashtag it sometime. No fake Christians. When we're when we're feeding, you know, the elderly here in the community or the homeless or whatever. I always hashtag that. And and I love the fact that it upsets the church because somebody's got to rattle their cages. There was only one man that rattled the cages of the church a long long time ago, and they hung him on a cross. And uh, I think every now and again. Everybody needs to be shook up a little bit and say hey look stop running your mouth roll up your sleeves Get down in the slums with people get a little bit dirty and actually make a difference in the world either that or shut your mouth So that's kind of how I feel about that. I apologize if that's too strong, but that's just who I am now back to the giveaway Again, just go to that tweet all the instructions are right there and uh, and we look forward to having you enter that that drawing and, and like I said, helping Drew get that seizure service on. Here's what's really cool. Once we move, once we hit that goal, we're moving on to something else. And that's what I love about this uh, Packernet podcast. There's always some kind of giving. You know, there was a uh, an incident. I actually didn't donate to this one personally, but Ryan promoted it because I was kind of focused on helping Drew. Um, and, and that's totally cool. You know, you can pick whichever one, you know, hits your heart, right? Um, but, you know, it was, uh, I think it was a family that was devastated. A young family that was devastated by an automobile accident. If it hadn't been for Ryan, there'd have been a lot of people that wouldn't even known about that. You know, there was a fellow, uh, uh, a fellow uh, you know, podcaster that that you know just uh, unfortunately lost his life unexpectedly, right? And Ryan helped promote that. They hit that goal go real quick, right? I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know the guy because I didn't, but it was just so awesome to see the community band together to help other people. That's what we represent on this network. And that's what we're going to continue to represent as we move forward. So uh, anyway, with that being said, that's how you enter the sweepstakes. Uh, I actually just answered an email and it was really, really cool. Guy was asking, hey, look, I'm not on Twitter, but uh, I'd like to uh, enter the sweepstakes. What do I do? So I sent him the link in the email. That's an option too. So if you're hearing my voice and you're not on Twitter, I don't blame you. It can be very toxic. Uh, That was the point of my five minute rant just now and I apologize for it, but if you'll just send me an email there, I'll get you instructions on how to enter the contest and you can enter it there as well. But as far as uh, you know, uh not donating anything and entering the contest, it just takes a, a retweet and a follow there on Twitter. So with that being said, let's talk about Rom Wolf. And Rom Wolf, man, let me tell you, this is a guy that has dedicated his entire life to football. Right. And as you guys know, Elliot Wolf actually worked for the Packers too. That's Ron's son. I believe he spent some time in Cleveland. I'm not sure exactly where he's at now. I think the last I heard he might have been in New England as an assistant to Bill Belichick. But Ron Wolf was born on December 30th, 1938. He's a former American football general manager um, of the National Football League's Green Bay Packers. Wolf is widely credited with bringing success to the Packers franchise that had rarely won during the two decades prior to Wolf joining the organization. He also played a significant role in personnel operations with Oakland and the Los Angeles Raiders. From 1963 to 1975 and again from 1978 to 1990 he joined Green Bay's front office in November of 1991 from a personnel directors job uh, with the New York Jets he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in August of 2015 so Uh, early life he was born in new freedom pennsylvania i think it's so cool that uh, just how many football minds are born in the state of pennsylvania it truly is a football state to me it's kind of 1a and 1b when you think of texas and you think of pennsylvania it just seems like those are the two states that that really really love football and it's kind of it's kind of bred into them at a very early age but um, he was born on december 30th 1938 after serving three years in the army so once again Thank you, Mr. Wolf, for your service. It's amazing how many people are are a part of the uh, Packers history, the Packers lore, that actually served our country. But I had, until this point right here, I had no idea that Ron Wolf served in the Army for three years. That's awesome. Wolf played college baseball at Maryville College in Tennessee. I did not know that. This is amazing. That's actually about an hour and 15 minutes from where I'm speaking right now, where I live. Um, That's awesome. After college, he worked for Pro Football Illustrated, uh, Chicago Sports Newspaper. So, in Oakland and with the Los Angeles Raiders, right? Wolf became a scout for the Raiders in 1963. With the Raiders, Wolf took part in drafting such notable players as Art Shell, Gene Upshaw, Ken Stabler, and Jack Tatum, all of whom would play for the Super Bowl. I believe that's the Super Bowl 11 championship team in 1976 and later such players as Howie Long, Marcus Allen and Matt Millen all of the Super Bowl uh yeah I can't I can't read those Roman numerals I apologize. Uh, I'm from Kentucky and we barely could count using our fingers so I'm not going to try to figure that out so anyway that championship team in 1983 uh, the then Los Angeles Raiders after the death of Raiders owner Al Davis Wolf was rumored to possibly come back to Oakland he didn't specify that he wanted to have a full-time job as general manager there but he told the new ownership team that he would assist them with anything they needed in an interview with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel he supported Green Bay Packers director of football operations Reggie McKenzie as a perfect candidate For the gm position in oakland and called him quote a tremendous evaluator when it comes to finding players so as far as the raiders history i think it's safe to say that the criteria of greatness that john madden always talked about you know he said the criteria of greatness is can you tell the history of something without speaking of this person's name and you cannot tell the history of the oakland raiders Um, without speaking uh, Rom Wolf's name. I mean, he basically was the architect, or one of the architects, for putting together those championship runs for the Raiders there in the 60s and 70s. Um, That is really, really cool. I'm sorry, the 70s and 80s, he started that, building that foundation in 1963, but I mean, you're talking about Art Shell, Gene Upshaw, Ken Stabler, Jack Tatum, those are four Hall of Famers. Howie Long, Marcus Allen, and Matt Millen. Um, That's wild. That's really, really good stuff. Um, and obviously, he had a strong connection to uh, to Al Davis. I think it's also cool that he put in that that uh, word, you know, that vote of confidence for Reggie McKenzie to be hired. If you guys don't know, Reggie McKenzie is a as a, a black man, and so there you see that the tradition of Rom Wolf, uh, you know, Rom Wolf is a vi- or I'm sorry, uh, Al Davis. As much as people like to talk bad about Al Davis, Al Davis was very, very much so involved in uh in providing equal rights to uh, minorities and and helping get their foot in the door as far as uh in the game you know art shell becoming i believe a head coach if i remember correctly that was that was a, a hire that al davis did there was also another guy i want to say his name is florio flores no flores i believe there was a head coach that won a super bowl with the raiders and he was actually the very first if i remember correctly the very first minority head coach in the history of the national football league al davis hired him you know it kind of goes unnoticed because obviously flores was was not an african-american um but he was a, a minority and it was you know in my opinion just as important um to uh to kind of help get his foot in the door and kind of tear down those barriers that that you know plagued our country for so long and and some would say still does today um i'm not here to to debate or argue that um, you know, I, it's something I don't have to deal with on a daily basis, obviously, so it's not fair for me to even comment on it. But uh, moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he wasn't done there. Ron Wolf went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1975. He joined the expansion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as vice president of operations. He helped build the team that would advance to the 1979 NFC Championship game. He would not be around to see his team develop, however, as he resigned his position with the Buccaneers in February of 1978, citing citing quote personal matters it's believed that he had had difficulty working with buccaneer owner Hugh Culverhouse and that Culverhouse was trying to interfere with personnel decisions Wolf later indicated that Culverhouse's close personal relationship with and strong financial stake in coach John McKay meant that Wolf had to be the one to pay with uh, with his job for the team's 0 26 start. Wolf returned to the Raiders uh, on the expiration of his Buccaneer contract. So it obviously didn't work out there. There's actually a documentary that you can find online. I believe you can find it on YouTube. I know you can find it on NFL.com or a part of Game Pass where they talk about that 0 26 start that the Buccaneers had. And you could see that, in my opinion, it was all John McKay's fault. <laughs> He was a horrible leader at head coach. He was a guy who had success in college. Uh, We've seen it time and time again with so many college coaches thinking they could step in. You've seen it here most recently with uh, Urban Meyer, right, an absolute disaster. You've seen it with the great Nick Saban, arguably the greatest college football coach in the history of college football. I'm not getting emotional. My voice is cracking. (laughs) But um, he uh, he came up and, and couldn't make it happen. You had Steve Spurrier who won a national title as a college coach. He stepped in the league, couldn't make it happen. And Ron Wolf stepped down because he felt like he was going to be the fall guy for a guy who just didn't know how to coach, and the owner was completely committed to John McKay. How how someone could start 0 and 26 and you still be committed to him is beyond me. But let's move on to the good part, right? In 1991, Wolf was hired to replace Packers general manager Tom Brotts. Uh, Wolf's first major decisions were to fire head coach Lindy Infante uh hire then San Francisco 49ers offensive coordinator Mike Holmgren to replace him and to trade for then Atlanta Falcons backup quarterback Brett Favre. Think about everything that Rom Wolf did in in the just the, the very first uh early stages of taking over for the Packers. He fired the head coach, right? He said, all right, the hot the hot team in the league is the San Francisco 49ers. I want their offense, their West Coast offense, which it's kind of funny, guys. The West Coast offense was actually created uh in Cincinnati. It was just kind of made famous on the West Coast when Walsh took over as the San Francisco 49ers uh, head coach. Here's a quick little History segment for you just a a brief nugget Um, The reason the West Coast offense was even created by Bill Walsh was because his starting quarterback in Cincinnati got hurt And the backup quarterback had a weak arm. He was an accurate passer. He was a smart quarterback I can't remember his name But Bill Walsh said, you know what? Let's let's like every great coach does He assesses his team and builds the game plan around their strengths, right? You know Bill Belichick says it best He says players win them and coaches lose them. And I think there's so much truth to that. And uh, what he did was he molded this West Coast offense, a short passing game, around the fact that his quarterback had a weak arm. So he took advantage of the accuracy and him being able to read the defense and have this short passing attack. Lo and behold, the West Coast offense was born right there in Cincinnati. So with that being said, um, got a little off track. but Oh, yeah, the other thing. So he goes out and hires Mike Holmgren, right? as his head coach, and then he says, you know what, this drunk, fat, out of shape, redneck quarterback from Mississippi who's sitting on the bench down there in Atlanta for a horrible team that couldn't crack the lineup, let me go give up a first round pick for that guy, all while, keep this in mind guys, they had Don Mikowski as their starting quarterback, what most would consider probably a top 15, maybe a top 10 quarterback at the time, a guy that they called Magic, Magic Man, right, he could make things happen with his feet, and uh, and could just a just a superstar in the making, the way they described him before he got hurt. Think of the stones it took for Ron Wolf to go out and trade a first-round pick for a quarterback who was basically being ran out of Atlanta anyway. And lo and behold, it ends up being Brett Favre. I just think that's really, really cool. He also signed the most sought-after free agent. In Reggie White, bringing in a team leader and a defensive superstar, the signing in NFL free agents uh, free agency's first year also made Green Bay a more desirable uh, destination for future potential free agents, including White's fellow defensive lineman Santana Dotson and Sean Jones. Specifically, White's arrival negated the perception of Green Bay as a city where African American players did not feel welcome. You guys remember we talked about that in the early going and how Vince Lombardi started to tear down. Those discrimination walls uh, back when, uh, you know, in the 60s when, man, it was it was a really, really bad time for the country and and the country was burning with the civil rights movement and everybody was so divided. Um, But with white and cast off. Uh, Gilbert Brown the gravedigger right Dotson and Jones formed the heart of the Packers defense during the the team's championship run Wolf is credited with remaking the Packers into a perennial winner and a championship contender from 1968 to 1991 the Packers had only four winning seasons Wow that's amazing I mean from 1968 to 1991 I mean you're talking about a quarter of a century they only had four winning seasons over his nine-year term uh, as gm the packers compiled a 92 and 52 record good for a 639 winning percentage second in the nfl over that span only to the 49ers the Packers won Super Bowl 31 against the New England Patriots and then they uh, returned to the Super Bowl uh, in Super Bowl 32 to face the Denver Broncos where they lost uh, they made the playoffs six straight times Wolf announced he would retire as the Packers GM in February 2001 he stayed on through the April NFL draft and officially retired as the Packers GM in June 2001 afterward the Packers head coach at the time Mike Sherman assumed his duties as GM and it talks about his son, Elliot Wolf, uh, you know, obviously going on to Cleveland, and I believe he's in uh, New England now. So that's pretty much the gist of it, but let's wrap it up with this. On October 22nd, uh, 2014... Rom Wolf was selected as a finalist to be a member in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a contributor um, that's a designation for individuals who were neither a player nor a coach and then on January 31st 2015 Wolf was confirmed as a member of the 2015 Hall of Fame class he was inducted on August 8th of that year so uh, like I said you know it being a GM uh, episode I thought it would be really really cool to kind of talk about Rom Wolf uh, a man that that like we talked about Bob Harlan in a previous episode you know Bob Harlan, being basically the president, the acting owner of the Packers, was the one who went out and hired Ron Wolf. And then that set off this, this uh, you know, this, uh, I guess you could say, string of events where Ron Wolf then hired Mike Holmgren. He went out and traded for Brett Favre. He signed Reggie White. All of that happened because of Bob Harlan knowing that Ron Wolf was the guy for the job, and all that stemmed from the success he had in Oakland and how they built that rough and tough team there uh, for the Raiders starting in 1963. So Ron Wolf, one of the greatest GMs in the history of this great league, and I think you guys are going to be really, really surprised when we kind of look at the success that Brian Gutekinds has already had and we actually compare the two a bit here in a minute. So before we do that, let's take a second to uh, take a quick commercial break. Let's pay some bills, and we'll be right back.
0: Anyways, that's arenaclub.com club.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase.
1: All right, so the whole purpose of this episode obviously, we covered Rom Wolf. The purpose of this episode is to kind of get everybody a little bit of a history lesson around Brian Gutekunst. You know, we hear he's the general manager. We know he was a scout for the Packers. Let's just kind of talk about who this guy is and what molded him into the GM that he is. It says that uh, Gutekunst was born on July 19th, 1973 in Raleigh, North Carolina. His father, John Gutekunst, was the head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers football team. Gutekunst attended the University of Wisconsin lacrosse. Uh, during his time there, he played defensive back uh, on the football team before suffering a career-ending shoulder injury. Afterwards, he served as an assistant coach with the team, including during their 1995 Division III National Championship season. So I had no idea that he was on staff there for that uh, championship run there in Division III. That's pretty cool. Now, as far as scouting, Gudikant spent most of the the 1998 NFL season with the Kansas City Chiefs as a scouting assistant. He then joined the Packers as a college scout for the East Coast of the United States, Gutekunst assumed his position as director of college scouting in 2012. He was promoted to director of player personnel in March 2016. And then in 2018, the Packers general manager, Ted Thompson, who had uh, recently diagnosed with a uh, neurodegenerative disorder, Assumed a reduced role and named Gudikus to the position after interviewing other internal candidates. And and you guys know that um, you know Mark Murphy having a lot of say in that hire for Brian Gudikus. He talked about how he compared he and uh and Ted compared uh, the scouting reports from previous years, and Brian Gudikus hands down had the best scouting reports, meaning that his scouting reports he had more hits than anyone else in the building as far as scouts. And anyone else in the front of office that that was involved with scouting, and they said, "This is the guy that we want to put in place to to be the general manager, because we know how important scouting and drafting good players is in Green Bay, given the limited free agent market. With you know, let's be honest, uh, Green Bay is it's a football town. There's not a whole lot else up there. You've got big name free agents that, for whatever reason, they like the limelight. They want the big New York lights. They want the L.A. lights, and you just don't have that in Green Bay. So you got to have a general manager." That's that's geared to to draft really, really well to make it happen. Right. To make it go around. So let's talk about his record here, guys. I think this is going to be, uh, you know, you're kind of kind of surprising to some. I think, you know, he took over in 2018 that first year. They were six, nine and one. Right. In 2019, obviously, um, I'm sure that both he and uh, Mark Murphy. I'm sure Mark Murphy got some of his uh, say in it as well, but it was essentially Mark Murphy's decision to hire Matt Lafleur as head coach. So six nine and one, is first season, they hire Matt Lafleur. Boom, right out the gate, thirteen and three season. Right, they go to the playoffs. 2020, thirteen and three again. 2021, thirteen and four. So I mention that because. In the four years that Brian Gudekins has been general manager for the Green Bay Packers, his only general manager experience, his record is 45 19 1. Why do I mention that? We just talked about the great Ron Wolf, the Hall of Famer Ron Wolf, right? You know, Ron Wolf has one Super Bowl ring. I'm not trying to downplay that. Now, obviously, he played a big role in Oakland and uh, in the uh, championship teams they put together there, but he won one ring in Green Bay. Ron Wolf's winning percentage, guys and gals, was six thirty eight. Brian Gutekunst, only four years in, I'll give you that. It's it's small sample size. But four years in, his winning percentage as a general manager is seven oh three. You understand, guys, that I mean that's sixty, however many points higher than Hall of Famer Rom Wolf. I mean, we are very, very blessed to have Brian Gutekunst as general manager. I mean, that's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, you're talking about um, when it comes to uh, as general manager, um, Ron Wolf, uh, he was three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. So yeah, he he actually was not in the general manager role in Oakland. He he did a you know a lot to help scout and draft those players. But again, in Green Bay, he was there for nine seasons, and uh, Gudekins has already been in Green Bay for four. Ron Wolf's winning percentage six thirty eight. Uh, Brian Gudukins, 703. What's the only difference? You could say, okay, Brian Gudukins has a higher winning percentage, but Rom Wolf has that ring. We get Gudukins a ring. And I'm telling you, he's going he's got a chance to go down as one of the greatest GMs in the history of the league. And I'm not saying after four or five years. I'm just saying, let's say he lasts 10, 15 years in the league, and he's got a ring or two, and that winning percentage stays high like that. This dude's liable to be a Hall of Famer. That's pretty cool. So let's talk about his draft class, right? That's the lifeblood of these Green Bay Packer teams. His very first draft, the very first pick he ever made was the 18th pick overall in the 2018 NFL Draft. And it was Jair Alexander. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's arguably the best cornerback. I believe he is the best corner in the entire league. I think that no one would argue with you that he's a top three, right? So in that very first draft, he hit on Jair Alexander, which is really, really cool. Other notable draft picks for that year would be uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Obviously, no superstar by no means. But to take him in the fifth round and have him contribute the way he did, I think that was a solid pick as well. As you guys see, Kansas City offered him a fairly large contract this year. He uh, you know, walked in free agency. So the two hits in that draft, definitely Jair Alexander and MVS. Move on to 2019. The very first pick in the 2019 draft that he made was the 12th pick overall, Rashawn Gary. As you guys know, Rashawn Gary, they picked up the fifth-year option He's a superstar in the making. He, uh, I've seen all kinds of graphics roll through, right, that's showing Rashawn Gary as a top-five pass rusher, Some, in some cases a top-three pass rusher. Solid pick there. The very next pick uh, with the 21st pick overall, Darnell Savage Jr. You know, Darnell Savage Jr. came out the gate playing really, really strong. As you guys know, he had an off year last year. Um, I thought that... JJ Leahy and Sam Holman did an excellent job on JJ Leahy's show, uh, Cheese and Packers. You guys need to make sure you're subscribed. Uh, to whatever you need to subscribe to to get notifications, whether it's on Twitter and you want to follow him or whatever. When you get a notification that there's a new Cheese uh, cheese and Packers episode, make sure you check it out. But they talked about Darnell Savage Jr. and how he's got a lot of criticism last year. But, you know, before that, the guy was a solid player. I hope he turns it around this year. I still think that's a hit. I mean, the fact that he has basically started since he's been in the league and that was a first-round pick, that says a lot about that. His next pick in that draft, Elton Jenkins. I mean elton jenkins is is probably a top five left tackle when he's having to being forced to play that position. He's definitely a top three, maybe the best guard in the entire league when he's healthy and and we're all praying over that knee. We want Elton to be healthy this year right, but that was another pick that he made during that draft. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Kingsley Kiki, me and uh me and Jacob did and, and how effective Kingsley Kiki was there. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't a horrible player. That guy was taken in the fifth round. That was a nice little find there. So of uh, that draft there in twenty nineteen, or I'm sorry, yeah, twenty nineteen, he hit on Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, and Elton Jenkins. Those are three big picks, guys. You've got to hit on those first and second round picks, and Goody nailed it in twenty nineteen. Let's go into twenty twenty. 2020 draft, obviously the most controversial pick uh, since uh, Aaron Rodgers was taken uh, right back in whenever it was 2004, 2005, whatever the draft year was. You know, this was the year that that Goody took Jordan Love with the 26th pick. The jury's still out. I still think Jordan Love can be a great player. Only time will tell, right? Um, obviously, uh, things are a lot different when you uh, when you have a full offseason and uh, and you're actually training as the starter and being able to play and work with the ones, I think it's a whole different ballgame. So to just, for some people who just say he's a bust already, I don't know, maybe they're fortunate, they're like Miss Cleo out there. They can tell that, that he's going to be a bad player. I don't understand how anybody's making that assumption based off of the small sample size we had. But Jordan Love was the first pick there, the jury's still out. A.J. Dillon in the second round, guys, that's a stud pick. You're talking about a guy who's a top five running back in the entire NFL. Got him in the second round, and he's somebody who's just beat to run the ball, or I'm sorry, built to run the ball at Lambeau Field. Just that big body, pounded at him in the cold. Guys don't want to tackle when it when there's snow flying and it's 20 degrees at Lambeau, right? A.J. Dillon is a back of the future. I really, really like A.J. Dillon, so that was a solid pick. Josiah Aguara, I think that's been a little bit of a letdown, but we'll see what he does this year. I think he's going to have opportunity with Bob Tunyon being down. He's got a chance to come in and win the number one tight end spot. Now's the time for him to step up. We'll see what he's got this year. I really, I really believe that. Um, uh, another pick here in this draft was John Runyon. John Runyon has been a solid pass blocker. His run run blocking not that good, right? but the way that he was able to fill in last year and for him to be a six-round pick, I think that's a solid pick there. And then Jonathan Garvin showed a, a few flashes. He was a seventh-round pick. We'll see what he does this year. I think he'll have opportunities uh, being able to uh, to spell uh, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith there coming off the edge, and, and really it's going to be a, a good competition between Jonathan Garvin and Nagbar, and right? Uh, the rookie pass rusher there, uh, I believe out of South Carolina, I think was the college he was drafted out. So that draft there, I would say the hits were A.J. Dillon, John Runyon, and uh, possibly Jonathan Garvin for him being so late. There was great value there. So again, uh, another another solid draft class there. Um, All right, moving on to 2021. Eric Stokes was the very first draft pick. I think we would all agree Eric Stokes was a good, solid pick. You know, I broke it down on PFF grades and talked about all the corners taken in that draft, Stokes, uh, hands down in my opinion was was argued. I mean, I, I think he was based off of the small sample size. And, and a listener uh, really really appreciated him reaching out, pointed out that that one of the, I think it was Sertan that might have been the guy one of the one of the first round corners that were drafted that year actually battled injuries, so it was a very small sample size, but still Eric Stokes outperformed everyone who was taken in the first round that year at the cornerback position. So that seems to be a hit. I'm expecting him to take a huge step this year. Um with the second round pick, you had Josh Myers. Josh Myers started at center last year, guys. I mean, yeah injuries caught up with him and and you gotta you know you gotta You can't make the club in the tubs, what they say, right? The most uh, most important ability is availability. If you're not healthy, then it doesn't matter how... Um, how much talent you got. That talent does nothing when it's sitting on the bench. But the fact that he started when he was healthy said a lot about Josh Myers. PFF grade was low. It was in the 50s. I'm looking for that. I want to see that jump up into the 60s this year and him stay healthy. Then I think we might have a decent pick there in the second round. But the fact that he's starting uh, really, really says a lot. Uh, Third rounder Amari Rogers, the jury's still out. Obviously, everybody's really, really down on him. Such a small sample size last year, guys. I mean, you're talking about... Uh, he didn't have hardly any attempts at all as far as, uh, you know, passes thrown his way. It was, I, I don't want to botch the numbers, but it was something that was very, very low as far as opportunity. In the fourth round, Roy Newman. Royce Newman started at right guard. You've got two offensive linemen in that one draft that ended up starting on this offensive line. And oh, by the way, the quarterback just went on to win MVP. It can't be a horrible offensive line if your quarterback (laughs) wins MVP. I'm sorry. Your running game was on fire at times last year. You know, I mean, you're talking about A.J. Dillon has, I think his PFF grade was in the 80s last year. You don't do that without having a good offensive line. You're talking about two guys drafted in the second and in the fourth round that started on the offensive line. This has proven to be a pretty solid draft class as well. You got T.J. Slayton in the fifth round. That's a guy that's a big body, can play nose. I think the jury's still out there. And then Colin Hill in the seventh round. I'm really excited to see Colin Hill this year. I think that he's going to play a major role on special teams once he's healthy, if that knee is fully healthy, right? And I think he'll be a great change of pace back. I think A.J. Dillon said it best. He's like a young Aaron Jones. So that's the kind of scat back you're going to get, someone who can catch the ball coming out of the backfield as well. So I wanted to outline that stuff because that's kind of what I grade GMs on, you know, Free agency, like I, I, I you know, very, very shortly mentioned it earlier in the show here. Um Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Adrian Amos knocked every one of those out of the park. Oh, by the way, Devondre Campbell, where did he come from? That's right. Brian Goodigudikins Gutek- found him. That's another huge free agency signing. Here's one, Rasul Douglas. You know, no one else was interested in Rasul Douglas. Goody seen something in him and made that signing. Guys, think about think about those free agents I just mentioned. Of those, what is it, four or five free agents I just mentioned, Preston Smith is still starting on defense. Devondre Campbell is uh, starting linebacker. He was the second highest graded inside linebacker in the entire NFL last year according to PFF. Russell Douglas, starting corner, whether we're in the nickel, you know, the majority of the time or what, um, solid, solid corner there. Adrian Amos. I think Adrian Amos is one of the most underrated players in the entire league. I think that guy is a top three, uh, at least a top five, maybe a top three safety for what he does, coming down the box and thumping a little bit, being great in coverage, great team leader, voted team captain by his teammates, if I remember correctly. Goody has got an eye for talent, man, and I'm telling you, he's built this team the right way. And uh, these draft classes, you know, you may be looking at it and go, yeah, but what about the other picks? Guys, that's that's the name of the game when it comes to draft classes. When it comes to the NFL draft, I mean, it's it's such a low success rate. When you start hitting on players like that consistently, like this, this last one here, the most recent one, 2021 draft, Eric Stokes, Josh Myers, Royce Newman. T.J. Slayton, I think T.J. Slayton's going to start at nose for the most part this year so they can move Kenny Clark around. Let's remove T.J. Slayton. In one draft class, they drafted three starters, guys, on rookie contracts. That's how you're able to maneuver the cap around the way that Brian Gudekins has, kind of mimicking what the L.A. Rams are doing and the Saints and other teams getting creative with voidable years and all these things because they're hitting on draft picks. And that's exactly... Uh, what the professionals, the talking heads are, are talking about is if you're going to approach kicking the can down the road the way the Packers are, you've got to hit on those picks and more importantly, those late round picks. And that's exactly what Brian Gutekunst is doing. So with that being said, like I said, it's going to be a short show. I just thought, why not take this episode here? Let's have a GM episode. Let's talk about Brian Gutekunst. Let's take a, a walk down memory lane and talk about Ron Wolf and and how important he was to the Packers organization. And uh, again, the stat that really stands out to me, guys. I know it's right now. He's he's coming up this year. He will surpass half the amount of time that Rom Wolf was a general manager. Okay, so now we're getting in that ballpark where okay, he's going to start you know accruing those years um, to kind of catch up with Rom Wolf. So it'd be a, a good even sample size. And uh, Rom Wolf winning percentage six thirty eight. Brian Gudikins seven zero three. Guys, I think we truly, truly have the wolf of 12, seven, uh, 1265 Lombardi um, out there with Brian Gutekunst. I think he's done an excellent job, and I'm really excited about the future. The way he handled this Aaron Rodgers situation, the thing I love about Brian Gutekunst is there doesn't seem to be any ego. You know, Kurt, Well, Kurt, well, let me, um, let me stay on Aaron for a minute. Aaron Rodgers came out and said he was furious at the organization, right? He basically put them all on blast ego an egotistical general manager would have been said okay well i'm i'm the general manager as a matter of fact rom wolf went on the radio on a interview i heard it and he said you know i these players today they think they they need to be gm and play why don't you shut up and play like rom wolf was pretty bold in his stance of a player shouldn't have any say and that's how most general managers would have approached that they probably would have been like you know i'm the general manager you'll play or i'll trade you right and aaron if he had approached it like that aaron would have been like okay fine trade me and now we're without back-to-back MVP quarterback. But what did Brian Gutekunst do? He put his ego to the side and said, all right, let me sit down and talk to this guy. And they got on the same page, and, and cooler heads prevailed. Guys, that's, that's the sign of a mature, um, professional NFL executive. That's a guy who knew exactly what he he needed to do that was best for the organization and to be able to lock Rodgers up for multiple years if indeed he decides not to retire this year and continues to play. They are set at the most important position in all of football. You know, one of the arts of dealing with people and making a big business deal, and I was taught this a long time ago by a couple of business owners in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, it's not manipulative, it's just business 101. The art to a good deal, the the, the the way that you you know you've landed a good deal is when you get what you want out of the deal while convincing the other party they got what they wanted too. Not lying to them, but helping them understand, hey look, this is a good deal for you too, right? I feel like that's what Brian Gudikins did with Aaron Rodgers. They sat down, cooler heads prevailed, and and look at look at how they drafted that Jordan. You know, the Jordan Love pick really stands out to me because before they drafted Jordan Love, Aaron was kind of nulled to sleep, right? He was just kind of, uh you know, still a great quarterback. The second they drafted Jordan Love, what happened? Aaron Rodgers stepped his game up. I think it was brilliant. Now, I don't think they said, hey, look, guys, this quarterback sucks, but we're going to draft him because he's going to piss Aaron off. I don't think they did that at all. Please don't get me wrong. Right, but uh, I think that uh, they knew, you know, what's the byproduct of it. It might make them a little mad, but it might also light a fire under them. So uh, I, I hope Jordan Love works out. I really do. I think, like I said, I think he's got a lot of, a lot of tools in the bag, and I'm really excited about uh, seeing him play more. And uh, this preseason, guys, I'm not gonna, I ain't kidding. I, I am really excited to watch preseason this year. I hope Jordan Love gets a lot of playing time this preseason and i would love to see him come out and show some of the flashes that aaron did at times when he was given an opportunity but don't forget aaron in no way was this superstar sitting on the bench that everybody knew he was going to be great i remember them drafting brian brom you guys have heard me talk about it they drafted a quarterback in the second round the year before aaron took over why did they do that probably because they didn't know if aaron was the guy you don't know until they're put into that role, and they get all the QB1 reps in practice, and they get all the game plan put around their tools in the bag, and then you get a chance to see them lead in the huddle and how they respond to adversity in-game. That's when you know what you got. So we really got to pump our brakes on Jordan Love. So, um, With that being said, I'm going to wrap the show up right there, guys. I thought this would be a great episode, a great opportunity to just talk about the general manager. To talk about Rom Wolf, to talk about Brian Gutekunst, kind of show that we do have something that we need to appreciate in Brian Gutekunst. He's a guy that's that's very, very level-headed, and I think he's the right guy for the job in Green Bay, just because of his scouting skills, his eye for talent, and his ability to draft and maneuver in the draft. That's another thing he does well is uh, just climbing up and down the board to make sure you put yourself in a position to get the players that you need to get. I think that's a, uh, you know, it's a testament to his people skills. Because you don't make those trades with nobody. Those trades, the foundation for those trades are being put in place a week, two weeks, three weeks before the draft where they start to go, okay, the way the board looks like it's going to fall, we would be interested in trading with you for this pick. What would you give us? It's not just, no, no, I, you know, tell me your tell me your best offer. You know, Dealing with people, it's not that brash. And football is no different. Anybody who does business dealing like that, they're going to be broke really, really soon. They're going to find themselves in the soup line. It's that simple. So uh really excited about to see to see what the Packers do this year with Brian Gutekunst going into year 5. Man, I'm telling you, if they come out and have the season that we think they're going to have, that winning percentage is just going to continue to go up. And uh, I'm telling you, he's putting himself in rare air when you talk about that winning percentage. So coming into year five, it's no longer a small sample size. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. So with that being said, guys, don't forget about the giveaway. Um, I'm not going to bore you with the details again. Just go to my Twitter. Look at the pinned tweet. All the information will be there. Um, you heard me. Uh, if you if you didn't tune in on the first half of this podcast, rewind right back to the beginning. And you, I said rewind like it's a VHS tape or something. My God, I'm dating myself. This is horrible. I'm getting old, guys. It's rough. It's rough. But go back to the front of the podcast, and uh, and there will be instructions on how to enter that contest to win the indoor club seat. Come up there, sit in the box with us, have a cold beer, eat some cheese curds, and watch the Packer football against the Rams in December. So... With that being said, we're going to wrap the show up, guys. Uh, appreciate you all taking the time to listen. Uh, you could be anywhere in the world listening to anything that that you know you have your uh, you have access to. But for whatever reason, you choose to hang out with us and and this goofy show, and we don't take it lightly. So as always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world, and go pack, go.
0: God never farted.